There was somebody who works in HR and hiring that was on the live also. And they said, if you are meeting 100% of the qualifications for a job you're applying to, you are overqualified. And I thought that that was actually a really good framing. That was a wonderful, wonderful explanation that they made. And I was like, wow, that's great. I'm going to make sure that other people hear that. There are no rules. No rules. You're listening to Degree Free on the Degree Free Network, where we talk about how to teach yourself, get work, and make money. No degree needed. Here are your hosts, Ryan and Hannah Maruyama. Aloha, folks, and welcome back to Degree Free, where we teach you how to get the work you want without a college degree. We are your hosts, Ryan and Hannah Mariyama. It is great to have you back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the podcast. Ryan and I are stoked to have you folks on listening to us as always. Yeah, today we are continuing on with our experimental new format. So definitely let us know what you think about this. Go to YouTube and in the comments of this video, good, bad, thumbs up, thumbs down. Let us know. Yeah, we're pretty we're pretty soaked on it, so we hope you are too. But without further ado, let's get into it. Okay, so we have a pretty cool headline here, and that is, and this happened last year. I talked about this on TikTok. The first state to remove their degree requirements was actually Maryland, and this was last year that they did this. So 2022, they removed degree requirements, and I remember at the time I said, this is gonna happen so fast. States are gonna start dropping like flies, removing degree requirements because they have jobs they gotta fill, and it's very silly. And what's funny is you and I did an episode about this, actually. You and I ballparked. We made a rough estimate of how many, what percentage of jobs actually require a college degree, like require it for licensure, require it in order to actually legally give people jobs. And I think we landed somewhere between five and 8% of jobs in the US actually require college degrees. The rest of them, most people can do most jobs. That was our conclusion. And that was just our rough math, right? Math in public, really rough. So keep that in mind. Keep that number in mind, five to 8%. So in his first act as governor, the governor of Pennsylvania, the new governor of Pennsylvania, Governor Shapiro, removed degree requirements for as many states jobs as he could. And guess what percentage of jobs that affected in the state of Pennsylvania? Percentage wise, 80%. 80%. That's a good guess. That's kind of that was my guess too. It's 92%. That's how many jobs were requiring college degrees and now do not because it was completely unnecessary. 92% of state jobs in the state of Pennsylvania have removed their degree requirements. How ridiculous is that? Well, that's awesome. No, I mean, ridiculous, like crazy. It's crazy that they were keeping people out of those jobs. And now, and it was cool because I was listening to the governor's speech on it and he spoke very strongly that he just thought it was nonsense that it's been like that. And it was very cool that that was his first priority going into his new office was to open up jobs to people who are degree free and just let them apply for jobs if they want. So I thought that was really cool. He is not the only one. So after Maryland and in between Pennsylvania, Utah, actually rolled back degree requirements for most of their state jobs as well. So this is a trend. And I think that this is probably this is probably going to continue. I mean, you and I obviously think this is going to continue, but it's following a national trend where employers across the board are actually increasing their down credentialing. As we, as we know, it's the great down credentialing. So people are just removing degree requirements right and left as companies try to figure out what the criteria for hiring should be as college degrees are no longer a good measurement for skill or merit. Yeah, definitely. As we've talked about many times in the show, the college degree might have in the past been useful to be a you know, stand-in for X set of skills, whether that's communication, writing, critical thinking, that's what it used to do. But nowadays, 
it's not like that with the degree inflation that has happened and with the assessments of these college graduates coming out of school, they're not doing well, according to the college learning assessment. Right? Yeah, the CLA. Yeah, the CLA, like 40% or something like that. 45%. Yeah, 45% of college graduates like can't understand a credit card brochure. Yeah, they don't have the basic comprehension skills enough. Uh, of course, the colleges didn't like that. And after they all did the CLA, after they all agreed that the CLA was a good test to measure themselves by when they came out so poorly on it, they suddenly decided that it wasn't right. a good measurement. And so it makes sense now for companies to go back on it and say, okay, well, we're going, this no longer serves our purposes and we're going to eliminate the degree requirements from the jobs because we are eliminating a lot of people. And because unfortunately, a lot of people self-eliminate, which if you're listening to this podcast, 78% of women actually too, especially were the worst men do it at 60% and women do it at 78%. Yeah. I'm squarely in that 60% or I used to be. Yeah. When we first started this podcast, I went back and listened to some of the earlier episodes that we had and man, whoa, what a doozy. <laughs> We're better now, folks, we promise. Yeah, hopefully a little bit. But I remember you asking me a question and you said, would I now apply to a job that says like master's or PhD required? And I kind of floundered on the answer. You know, um, if I can find it, I'll try to put it in, try to link it in the show notes, degreefree.co slash podcast. And I'll try to put the timestamp on it. But I floundered on the answer and, and I was like, well, I guess maybe, but that was that same 60% mindset that I had, even at the beginning of this show. And now that I've met way more people, it's my job now to interview degree-free people and to help degree-free people get the work they want without that college degree. I can squarely say that I'm no, no longer amongst that 60%. And yeah, I would definitely apply to jobs that say master's or PhD required because it doesn't matter. Companies don't care. And if they do care, they won't hire you. What's really happening here too, and the thing that, the thing, this is the million dollar question, the billion dollar question, I think too, at this point. But, um, and they asked it, I was I was, I was, was watching an ABC news piece uh, about uh, Governor Shapiro talking about rolling back the degree requirement. And in it, the question that was asked was, how do companies now measure people, right? Because that's the reason they were using college degrees. It was the easiest, most accessible measurement that they could use to measure an individual's basically employee quality of general employee qualities, I think is the way to define it. And so now the question, the million dollar, million, billion dollar question is how do you measure people now? And that, especially with the rise of AI and people being worried about discrimination, which does exist in AI, because it's AI will just read and it'll see what people's choices are. It's going to take those things into account. It'll see who gets hired for which roles. And then it's going to look for like people. The problem with that is a lot of recruiters in HR have college degrees. And so those people are going to hire people with college degrees because they're like them, right? People tend to hire people that are like people that are like them, or at least share some qualities with them. Well, it's just bias, right? And that's what our whole podcast is about, which is eliminating that paper bias, right? Eliminating that college bias. That's if you're listening to this, I think you, you get that as well. That's exactly what we're trying to do is just get rid of that discrimination because that's what's happening. Like you're discriminated against people because they decided to make maybe, a purchase. You're right. Exactly. Or not make a purchase rather. What's interesting about the credentialing system, and I'm just, it's the infancy of me doing research on this. 
And so I don't have a fully formed opinion and I don't have the facts straight yet, but I'll kind of give you a glimpse into, you know, one of the topics that I'll be discussing in a future episode, maybe in a, maybe in a week or two when I've done a little bit more research on this. I was wondering how the student debt crisis kind of started and it all kind of stems back to 1967 or so mm-hmm. when they made federal loans for students. Yeah, they incentivized the behavior that they wanted, which was debt. Right. They well, purchasing, purchasing, more, spending more money because that's how you make a, an economy flourish, spending more money, spending more money. I'm sure people will say too, oh, you know, it was just to further the good of um, more education. No, it was to make money. It's always been to make money. That decision, it seems like, and, and if you know what I'm talking about and you know more than it, please go to YouTube and comment on this video and let me know what resource I should be looking at. Drop your email or something like that. I can shoot you an email. email. And we can talk about it. Yeah, in 1967, there was like a court case that was about discrimination, basically. I think it was about this black man who was getting discriminated on or discriminated against for not having a college degree and everything like that. Anyway, I will I will do more research. And that's what ended up happening. And they ended up saying that you cannot test people in order to prove their proficiency in tasks. And therefore, that case oh, was sure. the precedent of making college degrees because it's a it's kind of a test or it was a test testable measurement well it wasn't a testable measurement but it was a measurement yeah and so they've instead of they switched from doing individual task proficiency tasks to college degree requirements anyway i don't want to give away i mean i kind of just gave it all away no there's a lot there i'm sure i will do more research and come back with that and i just that's what i did last night i I started i started going down that rabbit hole and i haven't quite gotten to the end of it but i will report back folks we're we're digging through uh finding degree for news and different things like this so if you have a tip or you have something that you think would be interesting to us send it to us please because i have another thing about um harvard just recently and we'll talk about this in the next episode but about Harvard only charging people who are over 100K and why that's a giant scam. But anyway, if you want to hear more headlines like this, if you want to know the degree-free news, the happenings, if you want to know what companies are down-credentialing, if you want to get hired without a college degree, run, do not walk over to degreefree.co forward slash newsletter and sign up to get more of what Ryan and I think is cool and interesting and that you need to know. Yep, absolutely. And also connect with us on LinkedIn. The number one thing that we hear is, oh, I don't have a network. I don't know how to start one. Exactly. If you connect with us, we will definitely accept. Don't be weird. (laughs) Just connect and then add a note that says that you're listening to the podcast. Yes. (laughs) Don't just connect. I mean, you can do that too, but... Uh, Practice your cold outreach muscle and just say, hey, I listened to the podcast. You told me to connect. So here I am. Yeah. And tell me which, which episode you liked and tell me what you don't like about this podcast. Yeah. And tell us something you want us to talk about on the podcast. Okay. Next thing. This one's pretty freaking wild. Okay, I had to go digging on the internet for this one. This is, we're talking page eight of Google here. So this is one of the coolest charts I found. It's gonna be linked in the show notes and I would highly recommend you look at this chart because when you look at it as in picture form, it's much more shocking, but I'm gonna try to shock you because I think it's pretty shocking. All right, so how much do you think a UPS driver makes? on average 65 is that your final answer well now that you asked me like that i <laughs> i'm guessing that i'm way wrong well we'll see right so try 145k on average this is according to the ups website are those current numbers is that now yes that's now wow. i need to be a ups driver i dude those guys we see them in our neighborhood and frick didn't realize they're they're um they're they're doing really well in that's life. awesome good for them i know well they hustle too right they they're work hustlers. they work hard they're hustlers there's i i had a friend sorry this is totally i'll talk about no go for it but i had a friend that worked at ups and he would always say that ups stands for underpaid slaves 
<laughs> that's the joke i feel like i've talked about how much they make on tiktok before and people are like well yeah but you know they're underpaid i'm like i mean that's pretty good wage i mean i don't know that that's underpaid i feel like that's pretty good right i guess he uh, he, uh, he always complained about the uniform too and i guess like that you have to wear like ups socks and <laughs> ups underwear oh yeah <laughs> no i mean i'm just joking but it's got it's got little ups embroidered all over the boxer briefs yeah I, or i don't know i don't know if i don't know if ups drivers issue whitey ties or boxer briefs but we'll have to ask if anyone knows let us know okay so guess what now all right so we've guessed the average salary for a ups driver and the answer is 145k so guess what the average doctor is making the average doctor is making well i don't know average yeah average. you got to think that i know the median too but you got to think that there's a lot of private practice doctors that are making a lot but there are also a lot of clinic doctors that are making like i don't know 90 mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like 80 probably if they don't if you don't negotiate well so i don't know i'm thinking it's going to skew upwards because of the guys that are just bald and outrageous 120 120 all right that's a pretty good guess actually that's not bad so the average doctor makes 188k a year per glass door number. Perfect. Um, another number that I saw um, on a different website and it was supposedly from the BLS data was the median wage being 208. All right, so $208,000 a year. Not, not terrible, that's pretty good. That's pretty good money, right? Um, okay, so this ER doctor wrote an article and did a mathematical breakdown of how long it would take him to catch up in net income earnings to a UPS driver who started driving right after high school. Before you get into that, may I ask you, at what age are they making $208,000 or at what age are they making 188? Does, does your math or does the chart or whatever say something about that? It doesn't because it just takes into account the, the numbers I'm using for the average are average all doctors across the employed doctors across the US now. This includes surgeons, this includes residents. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. So this ER doctor though, so he this is we're now we're now working with a one-on-one, -on -one, okay? So this is one UPS driver up against this particular ER doctor and his and his income. He's not a full ER doctor, so he's making he's no longer a resident. He's he's been he's been a doctor for a long time. Um I think he said like uh, I think in the article he said like 20 years or something. Okay. So he's been there a lot. He's been there a while. Point being, so UPS driver that is working full time and an ER doctor, so a physician that is working full-time. How long do you think it took for the physician to catch up in net income earnings to the UPS driver? Eight years. So eight years out of medical school? Mm, yes. So if they start working right after high school, we're doing math in public, sorry folks. Um, so four years for the UPS driver, right? So that's undergrad and then there's medical school, right? How long is medical school? Three years. And then whatever their residency is, if they do one. And so that's another what? They have to. Three years? Two two years and then their specialty okay Oof. so now we're talking about like 11 years something like that okay so 11 years so now this person let's just be optimistic okay let's say optimistically this person's now 29 years old starting to work the ups the ups driver started working at 18 the it takes a physician it took this specific physician with his earnings 27 years to catch up with a ups driver who started working right after high school that is insane and i know a lot of people's response to this is going to be oh well you know we should pay our doctors more and i don't disagree with that statement i don't disagree with that statement however the point here exists that even when you are a high income earner there is no doubt that the professions that are high income earners i'm using quotes are all going to be lawyers 
doctors, right? These are the ones, lawyers, doctors, CPAs. Those are the ones that people use as an example of high income earners. They're the ones that skew any sort of graduate money that comes in when we use like master's degrees or graduate degrees and we say they make a lot of money. It's the doctors, lawyers, and CPAs that are skewing that number. And so it's crazy that even for a physician who is a high income earner, if you just start working right after high school, and you you are able to stack and you're able to out honestly if you look at if you look at this chart guys please go to the please go to the website and look at this chart because it's unbelievable but if you look at somebody like this and let's just assume that this ups driver doesn't even start investing like just basic saving and investing you know probably in their company provided 401k i would imagine there is no way that this physician is ever going to catch up to them in income unless they make a crazy investment but probably not it's just wild. It's a wild chart to look at. And it just really puts in perspective that like the cost of your education and it's really the opportunity cost, which is something you and I talk about. Like the cost of college is one thing because the cost of tuition doubles every nine years. And it's obviously the value is not doubling every nine years. And then the wages for college graduates have actually been going down now. And the wages for high school graduates are going up. It, what's crazy about this is that it it's the time. This doctor is going for 11 years without really getting paid they're paying and they're not getting paid. They're not getting paid probably until residency in their specialty, right? Um, and even then they're getting paid what? Like they don't get paid a lot. It's like ridiculous. I've seen like $15 an hour or something like that. If that's wrong, then shoot us, you know, shoot us a message. But I've seen people say they get paid 15 bucks an hour in residency. So pretty crazy. The message here is choose your time carefully because you can't get those 11 years back. And that doctor's now missed out on 11 years, basically, of good income. And the UPS driver has been making it the whole time. Yeah. So I think the $15 an hour in residency, I think that that's taken as an average. So I think you get paid 80 or something like that. And then you work 60 hours a week or whatever. Right. And then if then it's $15 an hour, but they're, but they're actually making like, you know, 80 grand a year and they're not making 15 times 40. Right. Their hourly is, yeah. is low, but they're their wage is high or, you know, because of how much time they work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's a couple of things there that I wanted to bring up. And one thing that I wanted to kind of double click on, which was I was just talking to somebody. It wasn't really talking. It was YouTube. Once again, everybody go to YouTube and comment, subscribe, like, and one, they were saying that you could go and get a bachelor's degree for $5,000. And most people quote unquote, that talk about people not getting degrees, talk about going to some fancy school and paying a lot of money. And I was just like, dude, you're way off. No, there's there are not very many programs, if any, where you can get a full four year degree for five grand. No, it just doesn't exist. And I'm not sure that you would want that degree or I'm not sure how what what that degree is going to do for you. And at that point, you would just not even get it. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure what validity that that degree would have. And I'm not saying that you should spend a lot of money on your degree. I'm not saying that price is indicative of value. But if it's $5,000 in that in order for them to stay in business, they have to push out a lot of volume mm -hmm. in order to make money, which devalues, which devalues their product. Exactly. And so that's all I'm saying. But anyway, I was just telling him like, even if college was free, you still have to do the math on the opportunity cost of the time and the experience. And this goes back to another episode that we did before, which was the false dichotomy of college experience versus no college experience. And I would definitely suggest going back to listen to that episode. And it's basically like that thought experiment that we've all heard, which is, oh, who would you rather have though? Caterers Paribus, everything else being equal, would you rather have somebody that has all the same experience, but has a college degree or somebody that doesn't have a college degree? And 
I was just telling them like in the real world, that that's not how it works. That doesn't exist because the person that doesn't have a college degree, they're going to be working. Yeah. They don't exist in a vacuum. They don't just wait. And then they spontaneously go into society at the same time as people who've gotten a four-year degree. They're working the whole time. It's the decisions that you make that it's going to differentiate though. Because just because you go to work doesn't mean that's going to make you more valuable either. You have to go to work in the industry that you want to work in. Or a transferable one. Right. Exactly. But like, for example, four years, if you want to be like a developer or something like that, and you want to be a software engineer and you four years spend that time doing that every every day, becoming a junior dev and uh, then a senior dev within four years. Okay. And then you want to become a CTO or something like that. You're on the path. But if you're, if you want to be a, you know, a software engineer and you're waiting tables for four years, that's not going to help you as much. Not going to help you as much. Yeah. It's four years of work experience. Yes, it is four years of work experience, but it's not going to help you as much. Sure. And so you definitely have to prioritize where you put your efforts. But if you were to prioritize where you put your efforts, just like how that college person is prioritizing their efforts by getting a CS degree or whatever, right? Or by whatever accounting degree, whatever they're trying to do. Yeah. Just like how they're prioritizing your efforts. If you prioritize your efforts as well, it's not going to be the same at all. But yeah, another thing that I wanted to bring up was that the debt that these doctors go into, and a lot of it has to do with the things that you you don't see or that actually the things that you do see. There are a lot of people, because med school is so grueling and because a lot of med schools don't allow you to even work or to have any type of income. You're basically living on borrowed time, like literally borrowed time. Your future earnings are sustaining you is what you're living on because it's called debt. And a lot of people, a lot of doctors are well in their fifties that still have debt. It's crazy. We used to, when we lived in New York, we used to live with a doctor that had six figures worth of debt and she was in her 60s. Yeah. And I was just like, how? I had no idea. That's exactly what I asked. What do you get like that? And the thing is too, they weren't, she and her husband, they weren't like low income earners either. Exactly. And I was like, what is going on? And then a lot of it has to do with doctors really, a lot of them aren't really good with their money. This is getting away from whether or not you should do it or not. But there's a lot of studies that they're not the greatest investors. They're not the greatest with money. Probably because it was so tough for them financially all that time they were struggling. And then they finally get some cash and they're like, man, I'm going to live a little bit. Exactly. Hard to, then, hard to blame them for that too. Right. And then there's the keeping up with the Joneses too. Whereas like, who would you rather, the same with like realtors, right? Like who would you rather buy a house from? Who would you rather have surgery from? The person that's rolling up in a Bentley, maybe not a Bentley, but the person that's rolling up in a Mercedes or a BMW or the person that goes to work in a Ford F-150. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. There's definitely that. How silly is that too? But I I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So the pull to spend more. Is strong. Be amongst your peers and look like you have a lot of money is a lot. Is a lot more. more. And now moving on, I wanted to talk about something that I, I was surfing on Reddit as I do. As you do. Yeah. And I was deep. I don't even know how I found this, but I found this post and it was like three years ago that I kind of want to read and we can talk about because I think that a lot of people are struggling with the same thing. So I'll just read you the post real fast. The post says, I've been on the job search market for two years. I had by luck an amazing interview to one of the largest companies within my major field. I didn't get the job. Two weeks later, I asked why. This is what he said. I hope my mistake becomes your, and then it cuts off, becomes your learning lesson or whatever. And this is the email that the guy sent. And I'll link to this post and to this image of this email in our show notes, degreefree.com 
bit.co slash podcast. But it says, hi, Jason, you were extremely self-deprecating when I met with you post interviews and the same goes for this email. You need to trust that if a recruiter reaches out to you and brings you into interview, that you have the skills to take on the position that is being offered. You said in your meeting with me that you were not qualified for the opportunity in front of you. No one is going to hire someone that is down on themselves. Moving forward, I suggest going in with more confidence and an attitude that you deserve to be there. You have a great background in customer service from Starbucks and a good foundation of media skills to start in an internship slash entry-level position. Right now, you are the person that's holding you back from these opportunities. I hope that's helpful and best of luck with your search, Chris. Whoa. So I think that this is very useful to a lot of people. Somebody just asked me about that on the live last night about, about imposter syndrome and about like not feeling like you belong there. Exactly. That's one of the things that I personally have dealt with a lot and it's definitely going to happen in jobs. But if for all those entrepreneurs listening as well, it'll happen to you in entrepreneurship as well too, where you kind of get in over your head or you're in this interview and you think that you don't belong there. If you do everything that we've said, if you come and join us for our career change crash course, degreefree.co slash career change. It's like a four week course where we teach you how to get a job effectively and how to apply and how to get interviews for jobs you're quote unquote not qualified for. Yeah. How to do what we've done. Yeah. Or if you go back and listen to every single episode and you put into practice everything that we've said, this is going to happen to you. Yeah. You're going to be in a seat that you don't feel like you deserve to sit in. You're going to, you're going to get interviews for jobs where you literally fit 20%. 50% of the job. 0%. Yeah. Of the, of the job description because you're applying to those jobs and then they're reaching back out to you because as a secret, companies don't actually hire people that match their job descriptions. They want to make you believe that they do, but the reality of it is that they don't hire the people that match their job descriptions. So you should apply anyway. And if you are applying fearlessly, if you are applying because it doesn't matter, then you are going to get these interviews and you are going to be just like Jason here and you're going to be terrified. And you need to go into those interviews with confidence. That is a great lesson. I think too, another thing that someone commented to, there was somebody who works in HR and hiring that was on the live also. And they said, if you are meeting 100% of the qualifications for a job you're applying to, you are overqualified. And I thought that that was actually a really good framing. That was a wonderful, wonderful explanation that they made. And I was like, wow, that's great. I'm going to make sure that other people hear that. Because that, if you, I'm going to say this again, if you are meeting 100% of the qualifications for a job you are applying to, you are overqualified. The only reliable thing in companies' job descriptions are the tools they need you to know how to use. That's it. Everything else, degree requirements, experience requirements, ignore it, apply anyway. Apply fearlessly to any job that you want or think you could do or think you could learn or that you just want. That's it. Yeah, that's it. What I also think that this recruiter did well, yeah, the fact that they even got back to Jason was awesome. But the part that I want to hone in on is you have a great background in customer service from Starbucks and a good foundation of media skills to start in an internship slash entry level position. So basically just talking about how their seemingly quote unquote non-relevant skills are relevant to that industry. What we were talking about earlier with, if you want to be a software engineer, maybe waiting tables isn't the best thing to do, but it doesn't mean that you're not going to learn transferable skills to that industry, right? Transferable skills. And you might be asking, okay, what are some of those transferable skills? Conflict resolution, communication, accuracy, 
those types of things are you're going to learn from serving tables and working at starbucks and it's your job going into the job interview and putting it on your resume and putting it in your portfolio to connect the dots for that hiring manager, for that recruiter to say, yes, I am currently a Starbucks employee. I'm a barista, but here's how my background connects to this job. And here's how I can bring my background and provide value to this role that you're hiring for. I couldn't have said it better myself. So that is the lesson. That's the takeaway. Apply fearlessly, apply anyway, and embrace that feeling of discomfort because you should always be reaching up when you're applying for a job. And what's really helped for me, it sounds really woo-woo. <laughs> Perfect. We love that. Right, exactly. <laughs> but just positive affirmations really, really help. Yeah, we were talking about that on the live last night. Just, it's okay. I can do this. Or if you want to, I deserve to be here. I've worked hard. I deserve to be here. I know what to do. I know what to say. Very honestly, I still do this to this day. I'm not quote unquote qualified to be speaking and have access to the people that I have access to. We've had meetings with people that we never thought that we would ever have meetings with in our in our lives. And they're asking us our advice. Yeah. Shocking. I'm not qualified to be in those meetings, but it doesn't matter. You just have to be confident. Pretend like you're used to sitting at the table, even if you've never sat at the table before. (laughs) Just pretend like you've been there before. That's the secret. That's the secret. And eventually after you've done it enough, you'll be comfortable again. Exactly. And then hopefully if you're growing, you can find some more discomfort somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the episode. Comment on YouTube. If you know anything about that court case, like I talked about, connect with us on LinkedIn. You can find our LinkedIn's in the show notes and the video description here. I'm Ryan Maruyama. She's Hannah Maruyama on LinkedIn. You can search us. We pop right up. We're the first ones. And if you want Ryan and my help transitioning into a new job, making a career pivot, or just learning a new skill so that you can look for jobs that you may want. Check out our four-week career change crash course. It's degreefree.co forward slash career change. It'll have all the information about everything we're doing in the course. Very cool. We're doing live events. There's a video course with everything that you need for interviewing, applying, negotiating, resume templates, just so much stuff that we made for you. So check that out. Yeah. Awesome. Until next time, guys. Aloha.